Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to AOA. Thank you so much for joining us, letting us be part of your day. We always appreciate it. Hope you had a good weekend. Busy week ahead. Farm Progress Show, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Decatur, Illinois. I'll be there all three days broadcasting from the Syngenta tent. If you're going to be at the show, come by and see us. Coming up today, we're going to talk weather, a lot of weather with the big storm, Ida, and all the damage and the potential damage yet to come. We'll talk with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson about that. Arlen Suderman from StoneX joins us as we talk markets and potential uh, impact on the markets from the storm because every bushel counts this year and there'll be some crop damage no doubt. We'll talk about it with Arlen Suderman and we're going to get a harvest update. Charlie Cruz from Dexter, Missouri, down in the boot heel, will join us. He says harvest is underway down in that area, and we'll get an update coming up on today's program. But let's start things off with the news. Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications, joins us. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing great, Mike. Happy Monday. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, well I guess the house comes back this week, right? Well, actually, you know, uh, they did their work last week on this budget resolution. The House passed on Mm -hmm. Tuesday the $3.5 trillion package that now is similar to what the Senate has done. And there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work going on, Mike, as each of the respective committees have their marching orders to figure out how to spend that money. Now, the one thing that's not clear, of course, is whether there will actually be $3.5 trillion in the final Senate package. Uh, it could be $2.5, could be somewhere in between, uh, because we know that Joe Manchin from uh, West Virginia and Kristen Sinema from Arizona have said they don't want to go along with that big of a number. So whatever finally gets done in the Senate is what we're going to be watching, is trying to see how behind-the-scenes negotiations are going. And then the House will work accordingly to have their package be the same so that they can move quickly to get this second infrastructure, the soft infrastructure package moving. Yeah, a lot of details to work out and a lot of other things going on uh, that will impact some of that as well. Meanwhile, USDA projecting record ag exports in uh, fiscal year 2022. That's right. Some good news uh, from the Economic Research Service. Now, they did change their calculations a little bit. They're now using the WTO definition of agricultural products, but still, 177.5 177.5 billion, up 4 billion from the previous fiscal year, is what they're projecting for fiscal 2022. Um, great news on the oilseed front, even though volume is expected to decline a little bit, value is expected to stay high, and a new record at 43.5 billion for oilseeds and related products, and even cotton. You know, um, cotton's hitting the highest in over a decade. So really seeing some strong numbers on the export front. You know, I was just thinking, while we're having this terrible storm and the flooding in many areas affected by Ida, out west, of course, is the terrible drought. So I'm thinking, you know, when Congress is looking at different things that they're going to be trying to pass, uh, there are probably going to be some disaster uh, packages that are going to need to be looked at as well. Well, I'm sure that will be the case. And, you know, as you mentioned, you're going to be talking to Charlie Cruz, and harvest is beginning in so many parts of the country, especially in in the southern regions. Um, You know, ports were all closed down over the weekend in anticipation of Ida coming on. The Mississippi River was flowing the opposite direction because of the high winds and the storms. And we saw a couple of... uh, were photos of barges that had come unleashed and you know what happens when those things go banging around on bridges sometimes it's not a very good situation in terms of having that Mississippi River flow for uh, all of our great agricultural exports so 
Um, I expect there will be some disaster designations. Um, Already some counties in Louisiana were getting those, and I do expect that there's going to be a continued push to try to address the drought and related impacts in the West. Yeah, you you and your staff cover the West so so well, and uh, uh, that drought, it's, I mean, droughts are not new out there, but they just seem to be keep coming and coming, and uh, more and more area seems to be impacted, and really concerns about water supply, water issues moving forward for a great part of the western side of the country. Absolutely. You know, Brad Hooker on our team is based in Sacramento and does a good job reporting not only in California, but, I mean, this impacts so many states in the West. And a lot of the focus right now is why the funds that were there to build up storage Mm -hmm. and to have better capacity haven't been spent yet. You know, they get tied up in a lot of environmental lawsuits and things like that. So I think you're going to see a renewed renewed focus on rebuilding capacity, adding new capacity, looking at ways that uh, conveyance can be improved, and then just trying to drill down on the technology on how you can continue to still grow a crop in some areas where there's going to be almost no rainfall and so the water supplies have been cut off by the water resources boards there. A lot of growers are just going to have a world of hurt. You know, we've talked about this before, but this has been going on for some time now. Every time there's a drought, then they start saying, you know, we need to uh, have better uh, retention when we have water to hold it and save it kind of for a dry day. Uh, but that doesn't seem to happen. As you said, the money doesn't get spent. These things don't get done. Um, is that politics? Is that red tape? What is it? Well, I think it's a combination of both. And as I mentioned, there's a lot of lawsuits that get entered into these things, and they get things tied up in the courts for a long time, and then you can't move a project forward that's going to take multiple years anyway. But, um, I, you know, I think a lot of farmers are being hopeful that maybe this one will start to get some attention because it's not just the farms that are going to have to be fallow. Right. It's also going to impact rural communities and a lot of towns that are going to have a hard time getting fresh drinking water. So maybe the level of harm is going to raise the political attention to a, a degree that perhaps something could get done. Yeah, a lot of times it comes down to decisions like, is that water going to be used in towns or out on farms? But as you're pointing out, it's bad enough it affects both now. Absolutely. The rural economic impact in so many places is just devastating. So um, hopefully there will be some more political will to get some things done. Certainly there's been no shortage of money that's uh, been collected for projects as well as this infrastructure package that we already did pass the $1 trillion one. Um, you know, there's money in there to help with water scarcity issues. So um, it, it's not really a shortage of funding at this point. We always point that out. It's one thing to appropriate money. It's another for it actually to get there. I mean, you can pass bills, but you have to get it appropriated, and you have to get it out on the ground and working, and so often there's that disconnect, and, and we're seeing that again there in the West. All right, Sarah, great to talk with you as always. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next week. Yep, enjoy the Farm Progress Show. You'll see Spencer there. Yep, we'll look for him. Thanks, Sarah. Sarah Wyatt, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Up next, we talk weather, the impacts of Ida, and more of the trends heading into September. Bryce Anderson, DTM meteorologist, joins us next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Heading to the Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois this year? Be sure to stop by the Syngenta booth to talk with local agronomists and product experts. Then visit the Syngenta Square to relax and enjoy a cold beverage. During the show, Mike Adams of Adams on Agriculture will be broadcasting live all three days from Syngenta booth 441. Stop by to watch the show live at 9 a.m. That's booth 441 at 9 a.m. We look forward to seeing you in Decatur at the Farm Progress Show. When you choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, you're putting proven yield advantage to work in your fields. Extend Flex soybeans offer elite genetics built on the proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. 
In fact, farmers saw a four bushel per acre advantage and a 70% average win rate over Enlist E3 soybeans in 2020 germplasm trials. The Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Always follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. Channel Seedsmen don't just sell soybean seed. You can trust them to understand your fields and place Channel Soybean products to perform. With the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, including triple stacked Channel Extend Flex soybeans, you can be confident you're getting the excellent weed control you want and high yield potential you need to make the most of the season. Find a Seedsman in your area for recommendations for your fields. Check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. Always read and follow grain marketing and all their stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy-to-listen-to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Mock, as I interview some of agriculture's best thoughts. You'll have a front-row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to dtnpf.com backslash fieldposts. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor. Restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk weather. John Baranek is on his way to Decatur, Illinois for the Farm Progress Show, so we get to talk with... DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Just like old times, Bryce, how are you? Good morning, Mike. I'm doing well. Thanks. Good to talk to you. Going to miss you in Decatur this week. Well, uh, I hope everybody has a good show. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, the the, uh, the show has some excitement for it uh, with uh, the prospects of uh, everybody being able to get together. I hope everyone stays healthy. And um, there should be a pretty good week uh, for uh, weather uh, for Decatur, and, uh, you know, that's certainly going to help the cause. Certainly cooler than it was uh, in this area last week, for sure. All right, let's talk about Ida and uh, the damage that's already occurred and what could still come this week. Now, a lot of rain's going to move up uh, through the country. Uh, How wide an area? Right now, uh, the forecast guidance has got the uh, heavy rain uh, pretty much through the delta, I think the you know the delta is uh, going to be definitely affected uh, with uh, very heavy rainfall, and then uh, the track uh, curls northeast uh, through the Tennessee Valley and maybe just skirts uh, the Ohio Valley uh, through Kentucky and Tennessee, and then kind of toward the um, the Allegheny Plateau in Pennsylvania, and then toward uh, New England. That's the way the track is looking at this point. However, uh, if that track were, were to move northward, even by 50 miles, uh, you could start seeing uh, that heavy rainfall of, I'm talking, three to six or more inches uh, start to get into the uh, southeastern part of the Midwest. And at that point, Mike, then uh, it could uh, truly uh, be a, a real disruptive uh, factor uh, with early harvest that's going on, along with causing crop damage in the eastern Midwest. We know that there's going to likely be crop damage uh, in the Delta uh, with the heavy rain that is either going on or is going to continue. Uh, But there could be some uh, impact on the 
uh, southeastern part of the Midwest as well. And um, like I say, at, at this point, uh, the track is not projected uh, to uh, cross the Ohio River. But if it does, uh, there certainly could be some damage and, uh, like I say, some pretty uh, extensive harvest disruption. So we'll be watching that closely this week. Uh, a lot has been said about um, the Mississippi backing up, moving backwards, flowing backwards. It doesn't happen often. I mean, it, it happens before, but that just tells you how big a storm this was, the power of it. Well, yeah, it, it was incredible. And, and uh, you know, the, uh, the characteristic of uh, this uh, particular hurricane is, uh, is how it intensified just before making landfall. Uh, from, uh, you know, start out as a Category 2, and, and then just before hitting land, it kind of got uh, turbocharged into a Category 4. Uh, we, could take, uh, we, we could take an entire uh, half hour uh, to discuss uh, the, the long-term features that that, uh, that Im- implies, uh, but uh, the, the effect of that wind field was such that it really, indeed, backed up the Mississippi, forced it to a reverse flow. And that, to me, is just an indication uh, of the power of the storm and, and then uh, the kind of, uh, you know, terrific impact that it, that it had here on the anniversary of uh, Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, the timing is uh, just strikes you as well. Being it? On, it was, yeah. All right, so let's look at the, the rest of the country this week as we look in the Midwest uh, as we head towards September now. Uh, what's this week look like? Well, this week is going to be kind of active again in the northern Corn Belt uh, with uh, some, some locally heavy rains uh, in parts of eastern Nebraska and western Iowa, talking uh, amounts of uh, two inches or more. And, um, you know, I think the main uh, benefit is just going to be maybe a, a little bit of a recharge on soil moisture uh, with uh, limited crop benefit, maybe uh, for some very late, uh, later crops, uh, you know, there's going to be some benefit. But we know that in uh, parts of uh, the Dakotas, uh, the soybean uh, uh, ripening rate has been accelerated by how dry it has been. So I don't think we're going to be getting a whole lot of, uh, you know, sudden impact on, on crop uh, potential but some soil moisture recharge. And then in the northern plains and the like the northern third of the Midwest, particularly in Minnesota, uh, you could be seeing rainfall of uh, one to one and a half inches total uh, that uh, will, again, offer some soil moisture benefit, maybe some uh, pasture growth uh, for uh, grazing livestock, maybe offering a little bit of uh, potential uh, late hay crop. Uh, they're going to certainly need all they can get. Um, but uh, that is going to be uh, a little bit more active. Then uh, the temperature pattern cools to a more seasonal level, and I think that's going to be obviously a, a real benefit as we go into uh, the early part of September. Yeah, that'll be welcome. It's been a it's been a pretty tough uh, week or two uh, in much of the Midwest with the uh, heat and humidity. Well, yes, it has been, and uh, this past week. Uh, with the uh, with the heat index values or the the effective air temperature in the upper 90s, and then the heat index uh, topping 100, uh, my goodness, it uh, exhausted a lot of crops, uh, particularly if there was no irrigation uh, available. And that's the reason, to me, that uh, any rainfall that happens now is going to offer real limited benefit because that that uh, kind of surge of heat uh, in the last full week of August. Uh, was enough to, I think, uh, pretty well cap things off uh, for the growing season uh, for a lot of crops and, and, and effectively, just like I say, kick that ripening uh, phase uh, into overdrive. Uh, now, on the other side of that, Mike, I don't think that there's going to be a lot of uh, concern for uh, delayed crop uh, maturity to where uh, we have to worry about an occurrence of an early frost, uh, even uh, though that's not really in the forecast. But uh, that is one one uh, other side of uh, the the ripening phase that we have seen kind of get accelerated so far this season. Yep, corn really starting to turn, and uh, we will turn that page also to September this week. So we're we're talking fall, we're talking harvest time. What do you see through the month of September? 
Well, I think September is going to be a, a pretty mild month, actually, uh, certainly above normal on temperatures. I mean, that's a pattern that we are in, and uh, it's uh, highly unlikely that that's going to suddenly turn around. So the month of September is showing a warmer trend, and uh, precipitation is uh, likely to uh, stay mostly uh, below normal across uh, much of the Midwest and then through the northern plains and the northern and central plains. So um, harvest is going to have a, a good early start. There's certainly going to be benefit there. Uh, crop dry down is going to be uh, continuing uh, after we get through this, uh, this hurricane potential in some areas. On the other hand, uh, soil moisture recharge is going to be limited, and uh, we're looking at uh, kind of a continuation of that all the way through the fall season. At this point uh, in North Dakota, they would need 11 inches of precipitation uh, for the next over the next three months uh, in order to bring their soil moisture level back to average. So this is uh, you know just uh, one metric that shows how dry things are in the northern plains. Then of course farther west, uh, you know like that uh, that whole drought uh, scenario is just uh, continuing to be uh, catastrophic. And uh, they're not going to have uh, much relief, if any, uh, over the next three months. A lot of places, looking at rivers and and aquifers, things like that, uh, counting on water, those levels are really getting drawn down, aren't they? Yes, they are. And uh, water emergencies uh, have been put in place uh, in the lower Colorado River Basin. Uh, they could be also enacted uh, in the upper Colorado uh, because of how dry things are. Um, I was out in the uh, Colorado area uh, the last week, and, uh, you know, while it was pretty, uh, <laughs> there is also a, a lot of discussion about uh, just simply, uh, you know, how dry things are and uh, how the water levels uh, have been drawn down. Uh, there are some some uh, new instruments uh that are uh, now being installed, by the way, uh, by the uh, National Weather Service uh, at the headwaters of the Colorado uh, in uh, in western uh, northern northwestern uh, Rocky Mountain National Park, in order to uh, to analyze and study even more uh, how things are happening in the upper uh, Colorado reaches, because uh, you know they just simply need to know more in order to be able to. Um, you know, kind of uh, analyze and forecast how things are going to be from now on. All right, Bryce, good to talk with you again. Thanks a lot. Have a great time at the show, Mike. Good to talk to you. Okay, DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. You're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Heading to the Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois this year? Be sure to stop by the Syngenta booth to talk with local agronomists and product experts. Then visit the Syngenta Square to relax and enjoy a cold beverage. During the show, Mike Adams of Adams on Agriculture will be broadcasting live all three days from Syngenta booth 441. Stop by to watch the show live at 9 a.m. That's booth 441 at 9 a.m. We look forward to seeing you in Decatur at the Farm Progress Show. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. You're listening to AOA, I'm Kirsten Rall. Last week, Friday, the USDA announced a flash sale of 150,000 metric tons of corn to Columbia for the 2021-2022 marketing year. Crop progress will be out after the close today. These reports are starting to not have much impact on crop markets as we head out of the prime crop development stage. On the Board of Trade this morning, September corn trading 14 and three quarters of a cent lower at 543 and a fraction. The December contract down nine 
cents at 5.44 and three quarters. For soybeans, the September contract down 41 at 13.18 and a fraction. The November contract down 15 and a fraction at 13.08. For wheats, Chicago wheat September up a fraction at 7.18 and a half cent. Kansas City wheat September up three cents at 7.15 and a fraction. Minneapolis spring wheat September down four and a half cent at 9.31 and three quarters. The December contract down a penny at 9.16 and three quarters. It may be tough for feedlots to squeeze more out of Packers this week as it is the week before Labor Day when beef demand may peak. Slaughter schedules will be disrupted this weekend, which may leave Packers unwilling to be very aggressive with purchases. The trading in the South finally occurred towards the end of the week last week when Texas and Kansas sold cattle at $123, $1 higher. In the North, Packers added to inventory at $125 to $128 following early week sales at $130. Looking at those live cattle futures on the Board of Trade this morning, the October contract down 85 at 128.27. The December contract down 75 at 134.57. In feeder cattle, the September contract down 45 at 164.20. The November contract down 35 at 169.60. For lean hogs, the December contract trading 40 cents lower at 82.65. The February contract down 15 at 84.17. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rawl. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Always good to talk it over with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for Stone X. All right, Arlen, so we have uh, Ida and the damage from Ida, and we wait to see now uh, how the track up through the country goes as far as heavy rainfall. We've been hearing about that today, uh, and then we'll uh, certainly assessments of crop damage uh, along the way coming up in the next few days. Uh, while that may not be going through the heart of the Midwest, certainly, Still, in a year like this, with tight stocks, every bushel counts, right? So what impact uh, could Ida have on the markets? Well, right now it seems to be negative, although I think there's some other things uh, at play today because of uh, first notice day coming up tomorrow and some long still stuck in those September contracts trying to get out before the end of the month as the delivery period starts. Uh, but there there was a sense going in that this would provide some uh, uh, some rains that would add bushels. I don't think so. I think we're probably more at risk of losing some bushels, both in quality and number, uh, from Ida than we are in gaining that much. Um, looking at the rain track, the southern crop was too far along really to benefit that much, could suffer more loss than, than benefit overall, I think. And as you look at how it pulled moisture then from the north, I think it leaves a lot of other areas dry think overall we'll probably see another small decline in crop ratings come out this afternoon. Um, but for now, uh, as we approach the end of the month, corn and soybeans are under pressure, and, and I'm sure some of that's being blamed on Ida. The good news is, from the export standpoint, is the Port of New Orleans says no major damage uh, to the ports in their initial look at things. And so we're cautiously optimistic that we'll be able to get export operations up and running fairly quickly, maybe even this week yet, and uh, get things moving again on the export front. 
Yeah, so a lot of things to be kind of settled out here in, in the days ahead on that. Uh, meanwhile, you mentioned exports. USDA projecting record exports for 2022. Well, USDA tends to look at value, and with higher prices, that makes it easier to hit a record, just like it's making it easier for China to hit the Phase 1 trade agreement uh, with the higher values. I am I'm more optimistic on export demand to China now than I was a few weeks ago. We are seeing crush margins dramatically improve in China. Uh, crush is uh, looking like now it's going to be north of 2 million metric tons for the foreseeable future. It had been lingering around 1.5 to 1.7 million metric tons with the poor returns in their hog industry. So it has improved significantly. Uh, I think China is probably most nervous about what going on at the port of New Orleans right now because there are not that many soybeans available at the PNW this year. So it's going to have to draw more from the Gulf, and that means it needs to be loading now for arrival for its October crush needs. It does have supplies to get until then, um, but it's getting tight as it gets to October. So it needs the port opened up and loading boats destined for China. And I think that as a result, it's probably most nervous. But uh, the bottom line is I'm far more encouraged now and think that uh, exports of 35 million metric tons of soybeans in this cycle is probably pretty reasonable to China right now. China probably also, like many others, watching that weather situation, dry weather in South America, how that impacts uh, planting and early crop conditions there. Yeah, and, and they're in the dry season right now, which means the rains that come are pretty much pushed to the southern part of Brazil. They have started their summer corn planting, which is the smaller crop used mostly domestically. Um, so they're in the very early stages of that, and they'll be starting uh, here within days uh, early planting of soybeans as well. But the main growing areas of Meta Grasso, Meta Grasso de Sol, pretty dry going forward. Um, uh, La Nina year, which this looks to be another La Nina year, we tend to see a late start to the rainy season. There have been some forecast models calling for some rains in those areas here over the next 10 days, but the bias is that it'll stay dry. I looked this morning and we've received zero rainfall over the last 30 days over Meta Grasso, most of Meta Grasso de Sol. That's not unusual. Um, usually they want to start planting on September 15th in Meta Grasso. That's when their local laws allow the start of soybean planting. As you know, last year dry weather really prevented them from getting started for several weeks, which delayed soybeans. They got a pretty good soybean crop out of it, but that's what undermined their safrina corn crop then coming after that. So. Uh, down producers down there are a little bit concerned that maybe they could have a repeat. We'll have to see how this La Nina plays out. Talking with Arlen Suderman with Stone X. All right, Arlen. So as we look at uh, going into our harvest now, some places uh, in the southern part of the country are starting harvest already. Uh, others will be soon. Um, as the news comes in from uh, the actual field numbers and reports coming in, actual numbers from the combines, how do you see markets reacting? Well, obviously, we're, we're going to be very concerned this year about where those yields come in. Um, if you look at the soybean balance sheet in August crop report, USDA lowered its yield to 50 bushels per acre and then solved the balance sheet to achieve a 3.5% stocks-to-use ratio. That seems to be USDA's definition of a minimum pipeline supply. So it rationed demand. It assumed that demand will get rationed to give us a 3.5% stocks-to-use ratio. So it means any further reduction in the yield will mean that the market will have to ration demand to keep us at a 3.5% stocks-to-use ratio. And that's the assumption right now. Corn has a little bit more margin for error. We could lose a few bushels. That's um, August estimate at 174 is really on that dividing line right now. Uh, th but the, the assessment that USDA will be using to determine its September yield will be different from the August. This time we'll have the objective field sampling 
in play. So surprises are possible in either direction. There's a lot of debate about which way that surprise will be. Um, we'll start seeing the private estimates coming out later this, this week. Our survey-based estimate will be coming out on Thursday, and that usually starts off several private ones. So the market's going to be paying close attention to those. Good year to sell from the combine this, this harvest season or not? Well, where you see the premium in the nearby month, then the market's trying to tell you to sell, and the opposite is true when you see the carry in the market. But I'd also pay a lot of attention to the basis. If you have strong basis in your area and, you, and yet you have prospects for good production, then you've got the prospects for that basis to rapidly weaken. On the other hand, if it's good basis and you have generally a short crop in your, that, in your area, then it looks like you probably have some prospects or maybe having some better opportunity. So I'd look at what's going on in your local area in regards to basis, how strong it is, and what are the prospects of that strengthening or weakening. Which impacts ethanol on that market. Uh, still a lot of unknowns about what's going to happen at the, le at the end of this year. There are a lot of unknowns. Overall, though, we expect that the balance sheets are going to stay relatively tight for both corn and soybeans, both domestically and globally over the coming year. And that means that the trade's going to have to pay a lot of attention, not only to the size of this year's crops and how demand works out, but also to the South American growing season once again. So at this point, I'm not too worried about these markets just collapsing as far as the board goes. I, I think traders would be reluctant to build short positions in this market uh, unless we see South America surprises with a big crop. What kind of um, battle do you see for acres next year, and how, how strongly will markets go after acres with so many crops showing good prices it's going to be a, a lot of demand for the acres that we have yeah winter wheat's going to be fighting for acres grain sorghum's going to be fighting for acres same with cotton with corn and soybeans i think with the higher input costs that we're anticipating staying with us corn's going to struggle it'll probably be the one that struggles most to hang on to acres i think soybeans are going to end up coming out with some pretty good strength in trying to get some acres as well as cotton. Um, and uh, then wheat will try to be a fighter in there to fight for what's left over between wheat and grain sorghum. Pretty unusual. Uh, I mean, when you look back, how many, how long has it been since we've had a year where prices are this good across the board where we'd have that kind of competition for acres? Yeah, you have to go back almost 15 years to the last big commodity boom cycle uh, since we really saw that type of environment. Uh, unfortunately, it means land prices and input prices are higher as well, but it does mean some opportunities uh, to build in the equity. We know the cycle is going to go the other way and be able to hang on to that equity and set ourselves up for it. All right, Arlen, good to talk with you, and it's going to be interesting. Uh, I'll have a chance to talk with a lot of farmers uh, this week at Farm Progress Show, get their thoughts going into, into harvest time and uh, uh, their thoughts on marketing. It's uh, going to be some interesting discussions for sure. Good to talk with you, Arlen. Take care. Thank you, Mike. You too. Stonex, General Commodities, uh, Chief Commodities Economist, Arlen Suderman. Yeah, you know, uh, with harvest uh, close for many farmers and already underway for some, uh, this becomes that time where we watch uh, some of these numbers coming in very closely. One of the areas that harvest is underway is the boot heel of Missouri. They have a lot of crops down there, a lot of variety. We're going to talk with Charlie Cruz from Dexter, Missouri, down in the boot heel. Get a harvest update, see how far along they are, and how are the early yields looking in the boot heel. That's coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. 
54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... <laughs> hey, listen, it's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Heading to the Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois this year? Be sure to stop by the Syngenta booth to talk with local agronomists and product experts. Then visit the Syngenta Square to relax and enjoy a cold beverage. During the show, Mike Adams of Adams on Agriculture will be broadcasting live all three days from Syngenta booth 441. Stop by to watch the show live at 9 a.m. That's booth 441 at 9 a.m. We look forward to seeing you in Decatur at the Farm Progress Show. When you choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, you're putting proven yield advantage to work in your fields. Extend Flex soybeans offer elite genetics built on the proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. In fact, farmers saw a four bushel per acre advantage and a 70% average win rate over Enlist E3 soybeans in 2020 germplasm trials. The Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Always follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. Channel Seedsmen don't just sell soybean seed. You can trust them to understand your fields and place Channel Soybean products to perform. With the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, including triple-stacked Channel Extend Flex soybeans, you can be confident you're getting the excellent weed control you want and high-yield potential you need to make the most of the season. Find a Seedsman in your area for recommendations for your fields. Check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. Always read and follow grain marketing and all their stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. For more than 135 years, the editors of Progressive Farmer have provided generations of farmers and ranchers with the information they need and trust to make informed and profitable decisions. We know you need that content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we created our weekly podcast called Field Posts. Join me, Sarah Mock, each week as I interview agriculture's top thought leaders, as well as farming's most diverse team of editors at Progressive Farmer and DTN on a wide range of subject matter. From farm policy and crop production to finances, technology, and so much more, you'll have a front row seat to learn and engage in what's happening in agriculture today. You can find the podcast listed on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or by visiting our website at dtnpf.com backslash field posts. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. That's our goal at AOA. Each weekday, you get an hour of the latest takes from people who know agriculture, the policymakers, and the people who have the inside scoop on what's happening behind closed doors. People who have their finger on the pulse of Washington and agriculture around the world. AOA is your daily source for all the information you need to stay in the know. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. AOA.
You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, let's get a harvest report from the Boot Heel of Missouri, Dexter, Missouri. Charlie Cruz joins us. Hi, Charlie. How are you? Hi, Mike. I'm well. How are you doing? Good. You tell me that the folks have been going for a little while now with harvest in your area. Give us an update. Well, there were a few people started uh, corn harvest about 10 days ago, and uh, it's getting more into full swing all the time. I'd say this week, if weather permits, there's going to be uh, a lot of combines rolling in the boot hill harvesting corn. I was wondering about hurricane-related rain moving up. Uh, will that uh, impact you? Do you have rain in your forecast this week? You know, Mike, about three days ago, the track of the hurricane was going to come straight at us, so we were going to get a lot of rain out of that, and probably some wind, not not just a whole lot of wind. But the track uh, has moved a little bit east, and so uh, the main portion of the hurricane, when it gets up this far, will be east of us. We've got some rain forecasted, but nothing significant, and uh, a lot less rain forecast now than what they were saying about three or four days ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, the early harvest numbers, what kind of yields are you seeing and hearing? You know, Mike, I'm hearing some really good yields. Um, I've uh, I've talked to a couple of people who uh, what they've gotten into so far is uh, 240, 250 up in there. And uh, I, I think this is going to be a year where, you know, it's not that often, but sometimes we get good yields and good prices. And I think this uh, may be one of those years. We had a lot of leaf uh, fungicide-related uh, uh, or fungus-related diseases, rust and so forth. Uh, but a lot of fungicide was applied. And uh, overall, I think our corn yields are going to be really good. Yeah, you don't get years like that very often, do you, with good crop and good price both? No, you don't. Seems like a lot of times you're thankful for good prices when you don't have very good yields and vice versa. But it seems like this year maybe we're going to have a little bit of both. So that's a blessing for farmers everywhere, I think. So you've told us before about the the, uh, variety of crops you have in your area. Um, So it's a busy time in the boot heel with a lot of different crops. Well, it is. And, uh, you know, we're starting corn harvest, and uh, the soybeans and the rice uh, look really good overall. I think both those crops are going to end up being good. We got a late start on cotton planting this spring because of cold weather and wet weather, but we've had a lot of real hot days and nights the last two, three weeks, and uh, you know, Mike, as I've said, this uh, heat down here the last few weeks has not been good on humans. But it's really been good on our cotton crop, and uh, cotton's really caught up. And I think we've got the potential to have another good cotton crop here in the boot heel as well. Yeah, so things are are looking good. Hopefully the weather will uh, cooperate. You've had a pretty good growing season, right, Charlie, to get you to this uh, potential of of good yields? Kind of take us through the year and uh, the, the ups and downs you went through. Yeah, you know, Mike, we, we got a late, little bit of a late start. We had a later-than-normal uh, sort of opening window for planting in the spring, both because of cold weather and wet weather. But we got the crops in in good shape, and uh, we've actually had more rain than normal uh, during the summer. Of course, we irrigate uh, just about everything down here. And so between the irrigation and the, and the rain, timely rainfall, uh, we've had a good crop year. We've, uh, like I said, we we've had a lot of fungicide applied. Uh, we've got a terrible armyworm problem right now, and the further mm. south you go into Arkansas and Mississippi, armyworms are just absolutely tearing things up, including people's yards and their homes. But uh, you know, people have stayed on top of this. I know a lot of people are still watching their soybean crop because, as you you and I both know. 
uh, army worms can come in and really do a lot of damage almost overnight. But uh, army worms have been a real serious problem the last couple of weeks down here. Yeah, I've been seeing stories about that. Um, so what is the potential of your bean crop, you think? Good? Oh, I think really good. Uh, I, the beans look good, uh, had really good rainfall, and uh, there there's not as many acres of double crop beans. There used to be a lot of wheat grown here in the Boot Hill, and that's diminished pretty dramatically over the last several years. So we've got more full-season beans than normal. Uh, used to, everybody would plant uh, the most popular varieties were group fives and some group six, early group sixes, and a lot of group fours. Now, a lot of people have gone to late group threes and group fours down here, but uh, the soybeans look really good, so I think the potential there is going to be good this year. We've been talking a lot with different people about a battle for acres next year with strong prices across the board. Uh, do you think you could see more with stronger wheat prices, more growers in your area go back to wheat and then double cropping beans again? You know, Mike, it's funny you say that. I've thought the same thing. I think there will be uh, some added acres of wheat next year uh, because of the strong prices. And uh, there are a lot of seed beans raised here in the boot heel. And uh, ideally, a lot of the seed companies would really like double crop soybeans because uh, less incidence of disease and so forth. But like you said, I think with the strong wheat prices, I think we'll see some people jump back in and plant wheat. A lot of people have started uh, saving their straw and bailing it and selling the straw. And so that's kind of an added bonus for wheat acres down here. All right, Charlie, good to talk with you. We'll check in again uh, in a couple weeks or so and get another harvest report. But uh, good to hear things are off to a good start. Have a good harvest, Charlie. Thank you, Mike. It's good to talk to you. Take care. Charlie Cruz, he farms in the Boot Hill, Missouri, Dexter, Missouri. Harvest underway. Some good yields, some good corn yields coming in already. All right, that wraps it up for today. Tomorrow and Wednesday and Thursday, I'll be in Decatur, Illinois at the Farm Progress Show, broadcasting from the Syngenta Tent. If you're going to be there, hope you'll stop by. We'll have lots of information for you the next three days from Farm Progress right here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Heading to the Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois this year? Be sure to stop by the Syngenta booth to talk with local agronomists and product experts. Then visit the Syngenta Square to relax and enjoy a cold beverage. During the show, Mike Adams of Adams on Agriculture will be broadcasting live all three days from Syngenta booth 441. Stop by to watch the show live at 9 a.m. That's booth 441 at 9 a.m. We look forward to seeing you in Decatur at the Farm Progress Show.